Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to Kofefi Break on Unsafe Space. It is Monday, June, I think it's the 29th, but I didn't actually check. It's the 29th. It is. And that voice you just heard is not an ephemeral angel. What? But it's Carrie Smith. <laughs> it is It is Carrie right there. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Carter. Good morning. Good after whatever it is for you. It's morning for you. Good morning. It is morning. Maybe you are metaphorically an angel. I didn't want to. I don't want to take that away from you. Women are neither angels. If that's your identity, (laughs) I don't want to take that away. (laughs) If that's how you identify, I don't want to take it away. That's let's just put it that. No, no, that's not how I identify. But thank you for asking. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to Cafefi Break, guys. If it's your first time here, Uh, we this is a show that we do uh, live on. We do it daily, but now we just do it on Mondays and Fridays live. And then we also have a series called Deprogrammed. We have a new episode of Deprogrammed coming out this week with Buck Angel. I can't wait for you guys to see it. Uh, yeah. Buck Angel is a trans man, uh, entrepreneur, has a couple of different successful businesses. And uh, I used to follow him. I, I, was, I was aware of him back when I was in SJW. But I recently I, I came across a tweet of his and I was pleasantly surprised to find that he's not woke. <laughs> yeah, I assumed that he was w- going to be woke. Uh, I was surprised when you were like, "Let's interview Buck Angel," and I was like, oh, "What? He's got to be woke." Everyone from my past no. is woke. Everyone, you, you, you know. know, in but no, no, and he's brilliant and funny. We had a great conversation. <laughs> so, by out. the way, he and I have been chatting afterwards. Like he's now obsessed oh, yeah? with Yuri Bezmenov, and I've been sending oh, him yeah? Yuri Bezmenov videos. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe what's happening." Yeah, I know. When you see those, the first time I saw them, I got like <laughs> yeah. chills. Anyway, that's yeah. coming out this week, guys. So keep an eye out for that. And um, if it's your first time here and you like what you see, you can hit like or subscribe. Um, if you want to support the show financially, you can give a super chat during a live stream, or you can go to subscribestar.com and uh, give us a dollar or a bazillion dollars, <laughs> whatever you can afford. <laughs> bazillion. Only Bezos can afford that request only bezos uh <laughs> speaking of bezos did you see they put up a guillotine in front of his house no i missed that yeah somebody Who, said uh who's they i don't know you know antifa the woke leftist he's been pandering to the woke leftists i guess even for bezos I, pandering doesn't work i know <laughs> i know somebody said i think it might have been Cernovich said uh bezos gets to meet the monster he created <laughs> yeah yeah He's uh, banning content that talks about the monster in any way and helps people identify it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, exactly. I, didn't, I didn't notice that. Um, by the way, you can also go to unsafespace.com slash shop. And it's kind of a lame Spreadshirt store that's there right now, but we promise, uh, hopefully actually this week, we're going to put more stuff up. There's a lot of designs that are on uh, Telegram chat that we need to put up. There's like, we have a whole bunch of stuff. We're going to add more merch. Um, so you can get stuff. Uh, we, and we have a book club. Uh, our, we, we, we picked a book club book. And I want to say it early because it's going to take a long time to read. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to join book club next month, and we'll probably give it a little bit more than a month, uh, you got to start Atlas Shrugged. There's a link on unsafespace.com. Uh, you can go buy it. But uh, it's a long one. So it's fun. It's how- fiction. But it's long. They're telling me to turn my microphone down a little bit. Uh, that's funny because I turned it up for book club yesterday. Yeah, that is weird. I can I can turn your microphone down for you. If you just don't touch tad. it, I'll just turn okay, it down. Okay, you, you do it. All right. If it needs to go down more, 
people let me know and we'll just we'll like a man down. always turning the woman's volume down i'm kidding <laughs> wait hold on carrie let me okay she's muted now so we can continue our conversation uh <laughs> all right there we go <laughs> um i don't carrie uh I, there's a, I have a few things to talk about. What, what do you want to talk about today, Carrie? I would like to start with something wonderfully delightful. You sure you don't want so, to save it for the end to make sure you have a delightful ending? No, this is okay. good. Let's just get okay. into it. This is kind of fun. So Matt Taibbi just reviewed White Fragility, and <laughs> uh, he went harder than I've ever seen him go before. I mean, he just basically spoke in very plain language, and called a spade a spade. I'm sending you the link right now. Um, have you read this yet? Somebody in chat asked if we read no, it. I was like, no. oh, I read it. It So it starts off, as you're pulling it up, I'm just going to read the headline. Mm-hmm. On White Fragility, subtitle, uh, Thoughts on America's smash hit number one guide to egghead racialism. <laughs> uh, he misspelled okay. racism, but... But still, I like it. So, Race, okay. <laughs> yeah, it would be even better if he just called it what it is. But, oh, it gets better, Card. You're going to like this. A core principle of the academic movement that shot through elite schools in America since the early 90s was the view that individual rights, humanism, and the democratic process are all just stalking horses for white supremacy. The concept, as articulated in books like former corporate consultant Robin DeAngelo's White Fragility, Amazon's number one seller, reduces everything, even the smallest and most innocent human interactions, to racial power contests. It has been mind-boggling to watch white fragility celebrated in recent weeks. When it surged past a Hunger, Game, past Hunger Games book on a bestseller list, USA Today cheered, quote, American readers are more interested in combating racism than in literary escapism, end quote. When D'Angelo appeared on The Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon gushed, quote, I know everyone wants to talk to you right now, end quote. White fragility has been pitched as an uncontroversial roadmap for fighting racism at a time when after the murder of George Floyd, Americans are suddenly and appropriately interested in doing just that. Except this isn't a straightforward book about examining one's own prejudices. Have the people hyping this impressively crazy book actually read it? And here, here this is the best part. <laughs> D'Angelo isn't the first person to make a buck pushing tricked up pseudo intellectual horseshit as corporate wisdom, but she might be the first to do it selling Hitlerian race theory. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This guy wins. Who's this person? That, uh... Matt Taibbi. Matt Taibbi. All right, Matt. Oh my gosh. That, you it win is, for that line, Matt. That, that's a good one. He, he nails it. He actually, I was talking online a couple of days ago about how, you know, we were talking about white fragility is a Kafka trap, which is, they say, if you either you either say, you confess and say, oh, I do have white fragility or I have white privilege. Or if you disagree with the concept and say it's horseshit, um, then they say, well, your disagreement is itself evidence of your right. white fragility. So it's like uh, during the Salem witch trials, you know, you had two options. You either confess to being a witch or... You denied being a witch, and they took that as evidence of your guilt. So right. a lot of people chose to go ahead and confess to being a witch and then name others to, as witches to try and save themselves. That's what the white fragility is. You see all these white people, well, I've got white privilege, and so does that guy. And, you know, and like, I've got white fragility, and those, all those. And um, that's, that's, exactly why, that's why they, that's why logic is a tool of, of uh, white oppression, because logic would, would show you how fallacious that argument is. 
right? Yeah. If you have logic, you see white fragility, the right fragility argument as the ridiculous, like stupid sham that it is. Uh, Pseudo intellectual so. horseshit. But yeah, <laughs> yes. So he, yes. He gets to the um, Kafka trap, like the witch analogy in this mm -hmm. as well. At one point, he he says, you know, I, I can't find the line right now, but he. He calls to mind the fact that, you know, they used to do tests during the witch trials. It was like, we're going to throw you in this lake. And if you drown, I guess you weren't a witch and you're dead, but but you weren't a witch. But if you float, you're a witch and then we're going to burn you at the stake. Right. <laughs> the Monty Python skit about burning the witch is is based on like it's a exaggeration <laughs> and it's funny. But like that was the logic, right? That was like, yeah. you know, this convoluted uh, I'm putting logic in quotes convoluted form of reasoning in order to justify you know <laughs> burning the woman yes. that you decided is a witch or is a wrong thinker you know uh okay you started off on something delightful but it kind of goes right into something that i want to talk about i don't know if it's delightful or not but it's an explanation for something that i want to i want to talk about um okay it's actually related to the reason i thought about this was um Trump retweeted this video where this guy said white power. Did you see this video? Oh, I saw this last night. Yeah, I right. talked to Mikey about it. Yeah, and, and I do think that's obviously a problem. Uh, he retweeted it. He did delete it. They said that he didn't realize it. I'm inclined to believe it. However, it is disturbing that there are people running around yelling that kind of stuff on video. Like, any race power is disturbing. And, you know, insert race here, power with your fist up yeah. is disturbing um and i was you know we've talked about this carrie but the you know the more the more that people redefine the, the term racism and the more that people uh just misuse it um it has two main effects one is it's going to numb people to accusations either accusations against them or against other people so if someone says that person's a racist a lot of people just discount it now in fact um i think months ago i was hearing that it was uh in high schools it was a joke like a joke insult it was like you're a racist it was like it's not a no one takes it seriously anymore um and it also sets up a false dichotomy that you and i have also talked about where people feel like they have to be racist you get to choose whether you're a racist for or against white people and those are your choices and like yeah. a lot of people are going to get sucked up in that and so i do think we're going to see an increase in actual white supremacy over I, I think it's going to get like re, yeah we're going to see yeah. actual more white supremacy but the whole thing made me made me stop and think because you know i've been talking we, we've been talking both of us about individualism being the antidote and i thought i would just walk people through something that i bet you haven't considered maybe some people have uh i think most people if you say why is racism wrong in the first place they don't have an answer because it's bad racism's wrong i don't know it's wrong. Racism isn't an edict. Like, there's no anti-racist edict from God. It's not a natural law of the universe that racism is wrong. It is wrong. But it's wrong under a certain moral system. It's The wrongness of racism is dependent on a particular moral system. And I want to talk about that for a moment. Yes. The, the wrongness of racism, it is only wrong in a framework of morals that recognizes individual rights. That's it. That's why racism is wrong. So we don't have to drive the whole framework, but you note that individual right, the framework for individual rights includes the concept of self-ownership, right? And those are that's articulated through, uh, you know, the right to think and say and do what you want to do, freedom of speech, um, the right to property, which is often overlooked as a corollary to self-ownership. But with self-ownership comes 
self-responsibility. You are responsible for your own behavior. But the flip side to self-responsibility is you are not responsible for the behavior of anyone else or things that are outside of your control. So if your spouse or your brother or your mom or your dad or your ancestors or your neighbor or other people in your town or um, other people in your state or other people in your country or other people... Uh, I don't know, with the same shoe size or hair color or eye color or skin color or the same number of freckles, you're not responsible for stuff that they've done. You're only responsible for you. That's, that's a consequence of individualism. And so your standing, your moral standing in society and your, your general standing in society, moral and otherwise, is derived from your actions and your actions alone, not the actions of people that aren't you, that share some trait with you that's, that's not a chosen trait. Um, and that's why racism is evil, right? All forms of racism are, are belief systems that are based on judging an individual, um, judging their moral standing or their competence or their social acceptability or whatever by an attribute that's unrelated to their behavior. And, and right. that's actually all collectivism is that racism is just the narrow form of collectivism that uses the color of your skin attribute to do that, right? <laughs> um, Right. But there's equivalent to racism, like if you go to Japan and you see there's a lot of hatred of Koreans, is that is it racism? I don't know. We could argue over whether it's racism because it's not skin color related. And I guess they are kind of separate races, but they're very blended. But it's just as wrong. You might label it xenophobia or something else, but there's a recognition that it's violating right. the same basic principle as racism. And so you can you call it racism. My point here is that without the moral framework of individualism, there is no argument against racism. That's where that argument right. comes from. And what's happening around us, the reason that we're going to see people fall more and more into racist camps on both sides is that basically the entire government education system for decades has one of the most damaging things they've been doing is destroying the concept of individualism as a moral foundation. That's what they've yeah. been going after. That's their enemy right? The communists knew this. We just read a book uh, for book club. We just talked about it. The Nazis knew that the enlightenment and individualism was their enemy. The communists knew it. Yuri Bezmenov talks about it all the time, or he did, right? And so... Individualism is the antidote to collectivism. So collectivists, right. you, that's, the, that's the first thing they attack. It's just with social justice warriors they've been hiding it for a while now they are overtly actually i saw beverly ask this question in chat she asked this uh in the last chat and i didn't get to answer it but she said are they overtly attacking it now they are yes they've been attacking it overtly for the past year in in new york times piece i mean they, they're going after individualism and here's their tactic how, how can they make individualism seem bad they're saying that it's a uh, white supremacist right yeah which is absurd and doesn't make any it's sense racist, because white supremacy basically. is also collectivism. It's collectivism. Right. Collectivism is not individualism. So they're trying to say it's this other kind. Of, we're collectivists and individualism is this other kind of collectivism that we hate. No, that's only dumb people are going to fall for that. But there's a lot of dumb people out in the world. Right. Well, that, um, that's I mean, I, I want to point out, though, they in the mainstream media, maybe you've seen more overt attacks on the word individualism. But even in mainstream media, you've, individualism has been attacked generally for a long time. And in academia, it's been attacked even longer. And so yeah. every, every major, almost every philosophy class, almost every social sciences and humanities class 
is built on anti-individualist principles, has been for quite some time. This is why they, this is why they idolize Marx. Marx is, is a collectivist, right? This is why if that version of Marxism didn't work, some other collectivist thing needs yeah. to move forward. They hate individualism. The, this individualism, government schools are designed to for for you i mean we just talked to keith Bissett about this i think that episode is actually coming out tomorrow by the way um but government schools are designed to make <laughs> obedient factory workers basically and obedience <laughs> like that's what they're designed for and and it worked i i think they have succeeded in eradicating uh, uh individualist principles as as normal in society and well, they have that's what's dangerous because now there is no and defense against racism if you don't have individualism. There everything. They've totally, they've totally eradicated it. And now it, we're seeing it just take its mask off and overtly come after individualism. But like you said, they've been teaching this for decades. This is why anytime you hear somebody attempt to speak on behalf of a group the way that social justice people do, they come into a room and they're like, um, well you know, as a black, queer, disabled right. woman, you know, and they'll just start listing all these marginalized groups. It's like, w when we interviewed uh, Professor William Allen, I remember him talking about how his students, he, he would ask them to, you know, introduce themselves and they would all introduce themselves with these ridiculous identity characteristics, which are the least important thing about you. Right. You know, I, I'm Carrie and I'm a straight, white, cis woman you know, just going on. And that he, he said that he told them, he was like, no, tell me who you really are to his students. Tell me who you are. Why can't you define yourself outside of these groups? Like why? But that to me, that's evidence of how much it's taken root even before they get to college that they've all been trained to do this. Look at their Twitter profiles. It's just a list of what groups they're in. Look at the that's Christina Wong child zombie factory yeah. that we, that we covered a while. <laughs> like, She's got little kids in there saying, what are you? Here's your Venn diagram. You're Asian and you're female. And what like, that's, those are the, those are, that's who you are. Not yeah. who are you? Like, what do you like to do? What are your, you know, what are you good at? What are you not good at? What do you like? Yeah. That's, you know, who but you that's are. That's how they train people. Yeah. yeah. And from, they, and they, from little children. From little children. And funny enough, in the Buck Angel interview that's coming out, I didn't mention this during the interview, Carter, but. He reminded me of Professor William Allen when he said the same thing about trans, that they're being taught that trans is an identity. And he's like, it's, and you asked him about how, how much of a part of his, his identity is. And it's like, that's not who I am. Right. You know, it's people get, it's, it's almost as bad as, um, I think getting locked into your ident like your, these categories that you're in, like these immutable characteristics, taking those for your identity is just as bad as like, it's worse than taking your opinions for your identity. I think taking your opinions for your identities can be pretty bad too, because then you feel personally attacked when somebody disagrees with your opinions. And it's like, it's just opinions. It's not a personal attack. They disagree with your beliefs, you know? But, um, but I think, I think uh, taking your, these like whatever you were born, I think taking all those things as your identity is even worse. It's like, yeah. And it's handy. It handicaps you. With like when I, you know, I, I used yeah, to walk ahead. into a room as a social justice warrior, and after I got indoctrinated in college, every time I went into any encounter, I was like, 
already setting myself up for failure because I was thinking about, oh, they're judging me because I'm a woman. And, you know, I'd walk into the room and maybe some people were judging me because I was a woman, but not all of them. I automatically assumed all the time. Oh, as a guy, let me tell you, a lot of them were judging you positively as a woman. Yeah, well, I I effed it up because I would go in with like (laughs) low self-esteem because I assumed I was going to be judged. See, it gets into your head. It's a it's a victim mentality. I don't walk into rooms like that anymore. I have so much more confidence now because I don't walk in with this like victim chip of like, I'm a woman coming into this male space. You know, it's like, no, I'm just Carrie coming into this space. Yeah. yeah. The thing that's funny about that to me, by the way, is that those women that that walk in with chips on their shoulders, they're they're totally willing to they're they're totally ready to say that they get uh, bad things happen to them just because they're a woman. But if you point out that actually sometimes people treat you better just because you're a woman. They can't hear that either. Like that's oh, they can't hear it. Like, no, that's like which is also true. I will say, as a guy who has been in engineering organizations predominantly run by men, a female engineer shows up. I mean, anyone who went to engineering school knows this. There's like a different hotness scale for female engineers. If she's a six, she's suddenly a ten, and everyone wants to meet her and like talk <laughs> to her. Like oh, I got a girl. Uh, it's like there's deference. There's deference. And you can use that to your advantage, and women do. Um, there's and there's misogyny. There's both. So there's both. Um, euphoric break says in the chat, uh, as a former SJW, uh, as a gay, as a former SJW and a gay man, I saw homophobia and heterosexism everywhere. Yes, that's what they teach you to do, and so it's it's really handicaps you. I, I I'm sure. I wonder if you have the same. You probably had similar experiences to me, where it's like they tell you to put on this pair of glasses and never take them off. And everything must be filtered through these glasses where you're always trying to and expecting everything to be set against you because of ism, right? Yeah. But that's not living life to the fullest and that's not operating in good faith. Are you going to encounter individuals who are homophobic or, or racist or sexist? Yes. But going into a situation and assuming everyone is, is such an awful, awful messed up way of living, not just for the people that you're interacting with, but especially for you and the way it affects your brain and your self-confidence and your your ability to get what you want out of life. Yeah, and, you know, I, uh, I've i said this before, but it's been a long time and we probably have at least twice the number of subscribers that we did when I <laughs> said this last mm-hmm. time, so I'll say it again. Um, <clears throat> when I used to, uh, I wanna talk about, you were talking about not being married to your idea and like not taking it personally. So I used right. to, for those of you who don't know, um, I used to run business accelerators. I set up several business accelerators. I've advised companies for a lot of my career. And one of the things that founders struggle with is this idea of <clears throat> conflating their self-esteem with their business idea, especially like early founders, right? Mm-hmm. And so someone will come in and be like, I don't think this business idea will work for these reasons, right? Now they're actually helping you because uh, it's better to find out through a conversation, which is typically free, that your ideas needs changing or needs some work, than it is to go spend months and money doing that and find out later that actually it had problems. So, um, but a lot of times they, they they view this as personal attacks and they get ex- extremely defensive. And so, yeah. for investors, like that's uh, early stage investors, that sh- that should be a red flag, right? If the founder can't take feedback, even if you're wrong about your criticism. The founder should be able to take it in, understand that this is the discussion about the business, this isn't a personal thing, they don't need to get upset about it. Um, And that's the the philosophy that I've adopted, um, or tried to adopt, I mean, no one's perfect, but I've I've tried to do this for 
I don't know, over 20 years, which was uh, I made it. I made a choice in my life to marry the the epistemology, marry the process, not the conclusion. Right. So I care about reason and evidence. That's my standard. So if you're going to argue with me about my conclusions and you show me that my conclusions are shaky based on reason and evidence, I'm not upset at you. I'm happy you're helping me get to reason and evidence. Like you're helping me follow reason and evidence where they belong and my self-esteem isn't threatened. I've been wrong on things. I'll be wrong on things in the future. But it's an iterative process and the only reason I can get better and learn and be and correct my wrongness is because my self-esteem isn't tied to my conclusions. It's tied to following the process of reason and evidence and going wherever they take me. And so um, I think a lot of people don't have that mindset. They have the mindset of like, I believe blankety blank. And if someone comes and shows you blankety blank is wrong, you freak out. Um, and it's very difficult for you to, uh, to deal with that. And, and yeah. you, you dig in. In fact, there's been studies that uh, people that have that mindset tend to dig in when presented with counter evidence. So yeah. um, it's, that's important. I just want to I point that out that as a method book, of... Uh, that you mentioned, gosh, uh, what was it in book club? Anti-Fragile? I haven't read that yet. Oh, Anti-Fragile is good. That's not about what we're talking about. Um, oh, but I mean, it kind of, it makes me think of, uh, maybe maybe it's not, but when you described it about like being more resilient... Like being yeah, more... I mean, anti-fragile is more practical. It's about um, oh, okay. it's really more practical about economically being more anti-fragile. I would say more economically uh, than anything else. Okay. So that like if there are tragedies okay. in different ways, you're not married to one particular way of making money, and that you can you can uh, there, there's there's systems there's okay. systems in the world okay. that actually do better with uh, with major events happening like disruption helps the system rather than hurts the system and so it's about setting up your life in a way where since there's a lot of uncertainty in life if there is disruption you thrive rather than suffer that's that's the oh point here the i book. was thinking it was a book about becoming less fragile like <laughs> actually fragile not no like no it's not it's not a book <laughs> it's not like an anti-white fragility book uh okay. <laughs> or whatever but it could be you know um, i also can i just correct one thing which i know is going to sound yeah. nitpicky but uh, I brought up the 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 racism and collectivism thing and and how it's based on individual rights. And uh, someone in chat, I don't even remember who it was, so I'm sorry. They they wrote collectivism equals racism, racism equals collectivism. No, I, I I want us to think about I want us to think about concepts very clearly because clear concept understanding is is very important to clear thinking. Racism is a specific case of collectivism. It is a subset. Collectivism is yeah. anything that's treating people as collective, as groups. As Racism is one particular way to be a collectivist. There's lots of ways to be a collectivist. So rejecting racism doesn't mean you reject collectivism. Rejecting collectivism does mean you reject racism. <laughs> but yeah. you can reject racism and still be a collectivist on a whole bunch of other levels. And I just want to make that uh, make that clear. Yes. Can we do a couple super you chats? Yeah, because yeah, they're moving fast. Okay, Tatiana Fisk. Thank you, Tatiana. She says, hi, finally made it. Made an episode. I missed you all. Welcome to an episode that you finally made, Tatiana. I've seen your name before, but I guess maybe not in chat. I thought I've seen you in chat before. I know who you are. Lady. No, I, I, I've i seen you before. I just didn't know she wasn't no, in chat. No, I just am saying hello to my friend. Oh, you're saying <laughs> hi. Okay. Uh, Blackbeard. Thank you, Blackbeard. Blackbeard says, I've been playing with the idea 
of fragility. Why isn't the left's censorship not considered fragility? The inability to even hear a different opinion should be textbook fragility. Well, it's not considered fragility, Blackbeard, because they always project. Everything they're accusing you of is what they are. That's So it is considered fragility by people that are thinking. You, you consider it fragility correctly. Uh, it, it, is, it is fragile to not be able to hear counter arguments, but this is what they do. They call, you know, they named their movement anti, they named a racist movement anti-racist. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, they named, they named people who stand up for principles and argue with them as fragile. You know, this is, this is their method. <laughs> Can I do a little, um, yeah. Rant while you pull up the next episode. Yeah, please, because it's going to take me a minute to find the next. This is something minutes. I was talking with Mike Harlow about last night. Um, as we're getting more people following the channel or and following my personal Twitter or Facebook or whatever, um, I'm starting to encounter more of these almost like a concern troll type of people. Mm, who, I've seen more um, of those too. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I don't. I, I I actually just kind of prefer social justice people, <laughs> because, you know, I'm so used to dealing with, and they hate me and everything I'm saying, so whatever, I'm used to it, but I really don't like these people who are, like, uh, pretending, who pretend, they're, you can smell the resentment coming off of them, and they're pretending to be, like, a friend or something, but then all they do is nitpick and try and, um, uh, like, this one person was trying to do... Co a kind of collectivism, this whole guilt by association thing. He responded to something I posted like later, like a couple days later. He's like, I noticed that you retweeted so-and-so, you know, do you think, and it, it was Jack Posobiec and it was a video of Jack Posobiec um, when he was being surrounded by and uh, assaulted by, they threw water and stuff on him and got right up in his face uh, and Tifa and escorted out of the park because they were threatening him. And I'd retweeted the footage of him being attacked in that way. I noticed you retweeted Jack Posobiec. Did you know that Jack Posobiec is all right and da 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 all this stuff? And I was like, or am I wrong? It's like, or am I wrong? I'm like, I think you're wrong because I follow him and I've never seen him say anything that's white nationalist or racist or all right. But, you know, I don't know everything, but I think you're wrong. So then this person goes and pulls up a Wikipedia. I mean, Wikipedia, are you kidding me? Anybody can edit that. And we know social justice people are dominant there. So he pulls up some Wikipedia thing and expects me to read it and like spend time figuring out what I think about Jack Posobiec. I don't have time to figure out what I think about him. I know what my, just my general opinions are on this person, but it, it's really like, I'm not, I don't play guilt by association. First of all, I, I, what I tweeted was perfectly valid. It was footage of him being attacked. That's all. I'm not like, I love this guy and everything he's ever said. And you know, no, I'm send, I'm showing you something that happened to him. And I don't play guilt by association. And I don't appreciate when people try to pull me into a smear on someone and make me come down on some side of like, what do you think about this person? And uh, I don't think you're behaving as a friend. I think you have nefarious intent when you when you do that kind of that kind of trickery. And uh, go police yourself. I'll post what I want to post. Go police yourself and decide what's appropriate for you to retweet. Get bent. I've got a lot of I've got a lot of hostility about this Carter. Like, go yeah. get I, I look. I, I don't even think I don't even think that was an example of a very subtle concern troll. I mean, there's there's much more subtle concern trolling, and I don't even think all of it is uh, intentional. I think sometimes there's just people that are lonely and want attention. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I, look, I ignore way more than you do um, because it, it's a waste of time. Like a lot of times yeah. it's just a waste of there. Like people will people will post things like, um, oh, you know, technically you said blah, blah, blah. And like something that was like you say extemporaneously that was like mostly true, but there's like some minor irrelevant non-essential point that's wrong. Like right. actually his shoes were blue and you mentioned that oh. they were red and like. That's like not when they tried related. to correct Helen Pluckrose after her interview. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they'll go into this big long, I just want you to make sure you get it right. And blah, 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 blah. And have you considered blah, blah, blah. And then they'll, and then they'll, sometimes they'll say, I think the better argument would be this guy. Read all of this guy's things and do all this work and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, look, guys, I, look, I will take, here's what, I, here's the comments I like. Obviously, we appreciate people saying nice things I fine appreciate people saying criticism like i will take real criticism you were wrong about this essential fact go look it up like that happens sometimes and i'm like oh okay or have you considered this thing which is an angle that maybe we didn't consider or whatever like yeah totally that criticism is valid although there's awful lot of that criticism that's like they didn't even watch the video they were like you'll yeah. be like two plus two is four and they're like yes but have you considered two plus two I'm like where were you for the video did you just did it go right over your head um, so there's that kind of stuff, but the stuff that I don't respond to is, is all the people who are like telling me how to do my job better, but actually yeah. not providing any yeah. actual feedback, like zero feedback, but like I would have done blah, yeah. blah, blah. I don't care what you would have done. Go start your own YouTube channel. If you would have done it differently, <laughs> go do it differently. I've been bleeding cash for, I don't know, two years doing this. I, I don't care. If you want to do it differently, do it differently. If you have real criticism, I welcome actual real criticism. To make us better, please bring it on. Um, but yeah, the concern trolling stuff, I just I don't even I ignore it. I don't care anymore. Yeah, I don't I mean, well, I'm just I'm just I just wanted to get that little vent out because I'm starting to see more of those type of people. Not a lot of them. Someone says like grammar or spelling Nazis. Actually, please grammar or spelling Nazis. I love you. I'm a grammar or spelling Nazi like secretly, so if yeah. I've if I've done something, please correct my grammar. Or if I mispronounce something, which I <laughs> yes, often do, I'll do I that. Like when people yeah. Tell me how they pronounce it. Yeah. And, you know, go ahead, go right ahead. But and, you can but, tell yeah. the difference between people that are genuinely saying like you are wrong about this, and I have an argument, and here it is. You should consider it, or you screwed up. Like that's a genuine <laughs> thing. You can yeah. tell, um, and then you can tell when it's not genuine at all. So yeah. Um, okay. Thank you guys for indulging my little. I was I was last night like <laughs> Yeah. Uh okay. Wait, someone else Okay. Oh, someone talked about a couple things that I uh I just found out. So two two things. Someone actually just said that Stefan Molyneux is banned from YouTube. Uh that must be recent. I didn't oh. know that. That's a huge deal. Also, I did know this. Reddit Reddit banned the Donald. So, um, wow, that was here a huge. Is, yeah. So here's this right? article a friend sent me. Reddit just banned the Donald. So the Donald slash r uh, the Donald or r slash the Donald is uh, is a subreddit, um, and it's basically dedicated to discussing President Trump. Now, of course, there's going to be some horrible things in it because Reddit is a minimally, if at all, policed <laughs> uh, platform, and so. People discuss things, and some of those people are jerks. Some of those people are trolls trying to get your goat. But anyway, 
Uh, the band comes after, of course, The Atlantic describes it as, the band comes after years of controversy around r slash the Donald and its promotion of promotion of racism, anti-Semitism, conspiracy theories, and violent memes starring a cartoon frog. Ah, yes. Pepe, the violent meme. <laughs> so uh, Reddit is moving a bunch of other communities, uh, 2,000 other communities. I, I, can we talk about what's going on here? Because I actually have a video that I want us to watch yes. uh, or part of. Um, the left is extremely concerned that they're going to lose the election right now. Um, they are very concerned about the election this year. And, um, and I, I think they may lose it, uh, which we'll talk about. Yeah, a couple okay. things to talk about. But I want to play. So uh, Susan Wojcicki, who's the CEO of YouTube, assuming that's how you pronounce her name. You can, that's oh, a correction. You can Susan. tell us. Uh, Susan, apparently she does these monthly uh, letters, video format letters to people, which I've never noticed until June's. But I, I looked at June's. Uh, it, it was right there. You log into our YouTube channel or our, you know, my, our YouTube account, and it's, it's right there, the letter to creators and stakeholders. And um, I, I'm going to share two things about this video with you because um, this community letter is eye-opening. So... The first part I'm going to show you is she explicitly is telling us that they are supporting leftist ideology. It's explicit. It's not, this is not, there's no pretense anymore. Let's, I'm just going to play the very beginning of this and then I'll pause it and talk. Let's see, let's make sure you get sound. Sorry. Okay. COVID-19 pandemic. And over the past few weeks, we've grieved together as the Black community has endured more senseless acts of racial terror and violence. At YouTube, we believe Black Lives Matter, and we all need to do more to dismantle systemic racism. We're committed to doing better as a platform to center and amplify Black voices and perspectives. And we're working to ensure Black users, artists, and creators can share their stories and be protected from hateful, white supremacist, and bullying content. We know there is much more work for all of us to do. Months ago... Okay. So, the first thing is... She has now said explicitly, not we support, uh, she's not saying, you know, we don't want racism. She's saying we support Black Lives Matter, which is a specific ideology. Um, it's a specific uh, political ideology and, and viewpoint. Right. Um, so that was bad enough. <clears throat> the next and thing. If you guys haven't, I'm just going to plug oh, go this ahead. Real yeah. quick. If Jump you in. haven't read it. Um, go to unsafespace.com and check out one of the, it's not the most recent, but uh, it's an, it's maybe the second or third most recent essay there by Thomas St. Thomas, who's writing, uh, his Medium articles are now part of the Unsafe Space platform. And he had a piece about the difference between believing that Black Lives Matter, which literally every, almost everyone does, I don't know anyone right. who doesn't believe that. Right. So the difference between believing that Black Lives Matter and then supporting an organization and a movement that calls itself that, right? Right. And and that's a very important, again, with the naming, they're yep. very good at naming. It's like, how could you not support Black Lives Matter? Do you not believe that Black Lives Matter? Yeah, I believe they do. Right. But I don't support that organization. 
anymore. Yep. Yep. Uh, so with that in mind, so she has said YouTube is in this political and ideological camp. She said that very clearly just now. The next thing she does, I think will, if you've been paying attention to uh, the social media censorship debates, the next thing she does, I think will blow your mind. She literally threatens us and says, stop advocating for Section 230 reforms. She threatens us. I, let's watch what the threat is. Okay. So I'm going to fast forward here a little bit. Okay. All YPP creators. In the past few weeks, you may have heard questions raised about Section 230, a regulation in the United States law that allows YouTube to be an open platform while protecting the community from harmful content, like content that incites violence or endangers children. We believe undermining Section 230 would impact our ability to protect our community and also wow. significantly limit content from a wide range of creators on our platform. Such a change might require online services like YouTube to over-filter content, making it more difficult for creators to share breaking news, expose injustice, create educational content, and amplify a diverse set of voices and opinions. We continue working on... So, I just let's just be clear. Her argument is, if you force a change or an actually just enforcement of section 230 properly we might have to we might have to filter more guys it, hey, in, the, in, in reality so what everyone's wanting is for them to filter less but what she's saying is well if you do this we might have to filter our content more here's another way of putting it we discriminate against and censor opinions that we don't like. Anyone that opposes social justice ideology, we censor. If you force us to enforce Section 230, then we either have to stop doing that or we have to apply our practice equally across the board and also censor people who push social justice ideology. And we don't want to censor those people. <laughs> Like, oh I, no! I actually don't. I don't. I don't think that's how she means it. I think what she's saying is, if you force us to choose between being a platform and well, first of all, I don't think what she's saying is true. I think she's using it to spread fear because people don't understand the nuances of two thirty. However, um, I think what she's trying to say is, if you force us to be liable for content, like if we if we suddenly become liable. Um, we will choose to be a woke platform and that will be it. We'll shut down everything. We'll just shut down the, any kind of freedom. So if we're going to be oh, liable no, for everything, she, we're just going to censor everything. No, but she's making a, um, no, she's making, I thought you should play it again because I thought she was making, calling a bluff or, or presenting a bluff. She's like enforcing section 230 would mean that we have to censor Opinions. Yeah, she's like she's right. Saying, she's saying that will increase filtering. We'll have to do more censoring, right? No, of the woke, of important voices, what she considers important voices. Uh, she she says she right? says she makes she yeah. So she's saying it will affect the it will affect lots of voices though. I don't. I, it wasn't clear which side she was saying she was going to filter. Oh, more. okay. I it see. was just hey, we'll have to start filtering a lot more. 
right? Yeah. I, I think it's a I think what she's trying to say is, hey, you conserve this is what I think the subtext is. Hey, conservatives, slash, I'm not even gonna use say conservatives. Hey, free thinkers, hey, you know, freedom of speech people. You go after these reforms, we're gonna tighten the screws even more. That I think that's what she's saying. Um I yeah, I don't know. But but she's certainly making her Black Lives Matter ideology very clear. Um, yeah, she's making it very clear, and she's she's. I mean, Facebook's doing the same thing now. They're all doing the same thing. I hope these places go under so bad. I know we're currently streaming on YouTube because everyone's still here, and I I want some type of competitor to emerge. I'm very hopeful about um, Parler. I, I know I've been told to pronounce it the French way, Parlay, but I pronounce French words. The well, they way. spell it P-A-R-L-E-Y <laughs> when you hit submit on their, when you hit their, their button is, is the French pronunciation. But yeah, I mean, I don't look, there's Gab, there's Mines, there's, uh, there's Parlay. Uh, Parlay there's has a better shot than Gab right now. A better what? A better shot than Gab at the moment. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's hard to tell. I mean, I actually was thinking about being a little bit nicer to Facebook because they are getting in so much trouble right now for not bowing enough. Um, there's a whole, I don't know if you know, there's a whole campaign, uh, Facebook's lost, I think their stock lost like a few billion dollars in the past couple of weeks because advertisers are refused their boycott. There's an advertiser boycott against Facebook yeah, because they're not censoring enough. No, but they said they're going to start censoring more because of that boycott. Oh, they did. They capitulated. Yeah. They oh, capitulated. I missed that part. Article. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. There you go. So much for my. I had a moment of of empathy for Mark Zuckerberg, and it just uh, here. Just I'm sending away. this to you right now. Did you just send me a really disturbing picture? Yeah. Will you put that picture up? Hey, this is what's Ooh. going on in uh, uh, in the world of of white white fragility and white privilege, guys. Um, wow, Carrie. Yeah, and yeah, the hucksters like Robin DeAngelo who make money off of this ideology. There are a lot of people right now making money off of it. And one of the things that has become in fashion is you can pay. I'll wait till you get that picture up. Oh but my you can God. Pay. Look at the shirt. Sorry. I'm, I'm looking at the picture. Yeah. No one else can see it. Let me, let me have it up the picture. So for people who are listening, can you describe what that is? Yes. This is, I, I'm almost, I can't believe that what I'm seeing. This is a uh, couple pictures. The top picture is um, uh, six white people. One of them is a, a child, uh, all wearing shirts that are that say "So sorry." Uh, one of them has says "So sorry" something a pair. I can't see what the other part is, but they all say "So sorry" on them. They have their hands bound in chains and are in a chain gang. So uh, the guy in the front's got his hands behind his back. He's he's. Uh, Got his hands bound. The next guy's got his hands bound. The chain continues to the next woman and the next people behind. So it's a chain gang. And the two guys in front also have um, their, their separation between the two guys in front that's enforced by a piece of wood with Ys at either end around the neck. So the guy in the front's got a piece of wood around his neck. Uh, that and then the wood extends to the guy behind him. And then it goes around his neck as well so that they you know couldn't, I guess, reach each other. I'm not sure. The picture on the bottom is four white people kneeling in chains, again, hands hands uh, in chains, linked together, uh, kneeling on the ground, wearing so sorry shirts uh, in a in kind of an abject 
stance or their eyes are are down at the ground and they look apologetic i can't believe i just had to describe that little, picture but that's what it is there's a little boy there and he's on a chain it looks like or i mean i can't tell the if the little guys. boy is on the yeah. chain but yeah yeah. But um, these are all white people. Yeah. So apparently this is becoming more popular now where you can join uh, a chain gang and pretend to be slaves while wearing shirts saying you're so sorry and uh, apologizing for slavery. You pay to do this. Oh, they um, paid for this. They paid for this. Yes. There's another one. Uh, th this is according to a friend who shared this photo. There's another one, another organization that lets you pay to fly to Palestine to apologize for the Crusades. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's hilarious. Can Jewish people fly to Egypt and demand an apology to the, the Pharaoh? Yes. <laughs> oh my so, God. <laughs> this is so sick. This is this is sick. This is again, I think, just evidence of the racism in this belief system, the cult-like aspects of this belief system um this this there there's so many things wrong with this first of all acting as if uh slavery is something that never uh, affected white people i mean every race has been in slavery at some point like it's it's this new imagination that we have about slavery that it's somehow uniquely american and that it's uniquely racial in one specific way but that's not what the history of the world has taught us why are you who, who I, I just I just don't get it. Um, you know, it's it's weird because when you make hyperbolic statements like they're going to want white people to get on boxcars someday, people think you're ridiculous and you're Alex Jones. <laughs> and then you look at a picture like this and it's like, I don't know. I, I, they could be marching to a boxcar. I mean, they're 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 ready. They're I was ready actually to go. thinking about this during book club yesterday when, when in part of the book, Ordinary Men, when they were talking about um, how compliant, not everyone, but a lot of um, Jewish people were with, you know, marching mm. down when yep. they were told to march and getting on the boxcars when they were told to get on the boxcars and, and people wondering why there wasn't, you know, more mass resistance. And, and I was thinking about this picture because I was thinking... Well, there's a ton of woke white people that would get on the boxcar and be yeah. happy. To, they'd probably pay you to put them on the boxcar. <laughs> yeah, well, and again, that's that's what happens when you've got, not to bring it back to Yuri Besmanov, but that's what happens when you've got ideological subversion happening in your nation. You've got people willing to, you know, the, the difference between, uh, one of the differences between the um, mentality of the Jews that you're talking about in the book that we read and the mentality of these people is uh, these people want it. These, yeah, these people want it. I, the, I'm pretty sure the Jews didn't want to be executed. Exactly. Um, this is even this is these crazy. People, this is... These people want it. Um, and by the way, I if, has anyone seen a story oh. like this? Because I'm sure that this will happen at some point. Uh, at some point, I, white people will volunteer to be killed. Um, oh yeah, just like that guy. Do you guys remember that cannibal who was in the news in Germany years ago? He put out an advertisement on Twitter or somewhere. He put out an advertisement. He wanted someone to volunteer. To, yeah. Yeah, to be eaten. And some guy did. Some guy volunteered to be killed and eaten by him. I mean, people are crazy. What we're seeing here is is even crazier than that because it's like this mass, this crazy collectivist kind of weird guilt and desire to be punished and looked down upon. It's a desire to be thought of as, as bad and just constantly like you're seeking some kind of um, repentance or some kind of grace that doesn't come. 
Um, yep. If anybody wants to look this up, by the way, Daniel, thank you in chat for giving me the name. I didn't know what this was called. It's an organization called Lifeline Expedition. They believe that white people must apologize for the Atlantic slave trade and that forgiveness can be granted by black people. But you have to like get the you have to get in this chain gang first. And <laughs> did you get to get to wear a little badge after that that says, hey, other black people, I've been forgiven. Yeah, um. <laughs> right. <laughs> leave me alone i've been forgiven now let's do some super chats uh there's okay. more to say but let's let's do some super chats because i'm falling behind uh thank you sylvia sylvia sent us a super chat and she says individualism posits whites are individuals who have earned their place in society on their own merit universalism posits white interests plus perspectives are objective representative of all uh robin d'angelo's phd thesis i see so um she believes that individualism is uh see this is this is interesting because she's even in her description of individualism she can't escape having a collectivist mentality individualism posits this group does blank universalism deposit deposits this group the the principles of this group apply to everyone like those that's a collectivist mentality. That's a collectivist mentality that you can't, like you can't argue against individualism from a collectivist mentality. You can have an argument against individualism and you can have a, a conversation between individualists and a collectivist about fundamentals, but you gotta, you gotta rewind from there. You can't start with like, individualism posits that these things are burned on merit. Like individualism isn't like, you, you're putting the cart before the horse. If you think collectivism is, is correct and individualism is false, you got to rewind all the way to where do rights come from? Why is that argument incorrect? Like, you got to rewind way back up in philosophy. You can't go 80 levels down and be like, individualism leads to Nintendo games. Like, no. I mean, maybe yes, but that's not, that's not the fundamental of individualism. Individualism doesn't right. fundamentally say anything about white people. Um, there's no, it's not related to white people. It's a philosophical argument, and if you want to make it, you got to. She doesn't deserve her PhD because she's a moron. Um, it, actually, she's a genius because she's a snake oil saleswoman, uh, and she's she's success. She's an evil genius because she's successfully getting all you idiots to pay her. Um, <laughs> thank you, Maggie. Maggie Ellis gives us a super chat and says, "Hey, you two, I love your shows and appreciate the effort you put in to maintain your content's integrity. I'm married to a wonderful, smart, hilarious man who simply cannot see the truths you discuss." that I've seen daily. It's not, this is the thing, Maggie. Thank you, Maggie. It's not an IQ thing. You, and I know, I know a lot of people are, can look at this and it's easy to just dismiss it as like, look at all the dumb people. It's not an IQ thing. Uh, it's a psychology problem. It's, it's psychology. Um, it's, it's the, it's, I think a lot of this stems from, uh, internal psychological issues that aren't dealt with and in mixed with a culture that tells you to celebrate them and not deal with them um and for uh and for a lot of people it is hard to stand up psychologically emotionally it's hard to go against the grain it's easier just to accept whatever you're being told is true and um and put on your so sorry shirt and wear your chains um and, and get adulation um, from your friends because by I the way the people in that picture They've, they've got, I'm sure they got a lot of Facebook friends, like people like this. I'm sure you got lots of likes and their, their woke friends were all, right? Sorry, Carrie, go ahead. I want to say something too. I mean, it, 
just I'm, I'm just feel for you that's all it's gotta suck yeah. being uh in that situation because um y- you know i I've been getting lots of messages from strangers lately. I mean, I've been getting them for a couple of years, but the past month I've been getting a lot more. And now that this ideology has gone mainstream, so to speak, gone completely mainstream. And, um, you know, I was messaging with a woman last night who's got two daughters who have totally succumbed to this belief system. And she's like, what do I do? And I don't have any quick answers. I will say, what I've been trying to tell people is um, nobody changes their mind uh, because you assault them with a lot of facts. You know, you can give them facts, but, but if you were doing it uh, with a, if, if you were doing it with like the intent to change them, I think you're going to make them more defensive and they're going to, they're going to double down and hold on to what they already believe and so we've been having this conversation in the Telegram chat, too, for Unsafe Space. If you guys don't know, we have a Telegram chat. Um, it's the same kind of thing about, like, people learning how to talk to the people in their lives who have some of these social – have accepted some of these social justice tenets. Just like – I don't know. It's hard to do this in practice, but I would say when you talk with them, just let them be who they are and come – have your conversations from a place of love and caring and don't push too hard. If you push too hard, they're just going to double down. They're going to get really defensive. And lots of studies have shown this. It doesn't matter what the belief system is. If if they feel attacked, they're going to cling to what they believe. Right. And in in the face of evidence, actual facts will have the opposite of the effect that you expect them to have. Right. Right. So, and anybody who's in my life who's ever changed their opinion on something, or anytime I've changed my opinion on something, it hasn't it hasn't been because that that person was trying to get me to change my opinion, or because I was trying to get them to change theirs. It was it was never like so. You can't go into it like uh, like here's this video and here's this book and here's this and I need you to get on the same page with me. But maybe more of a, um, you know, maybe we could re- read some books together. Why don't you pick one and I'll pick one kind of thing. I, or yeah, you just kind of ask them questions, ask them questions, from, but with a place that's open and accepting of whatever their answer is, just trying to get them to think more, you know? I, yeah, I'm not sure I would do a lot of like you read book and I'll read a book. I mean, I don't know that that would help because you'll just, you know, you'll end up reading White Fragility followed by, uh, I don't know. I don't uh, think that's a bad thing. Coddling of the American mind. Um, I don't. I don't know that it will work because those books generally appeal to reason. Um, honestly, if you were married to someone like that, I, I, I think this is. It, it's a psychological issue that you need to deal with. So I would avoid having the political conversations, and I would really have a lot of empathy for whatever's going on with them psychologically, and just approach it like with kid gloves psychologically as like okay like you know um why why are they why are they feel like i'm not don't grill them i'm not saying to be their therapist like that they won't react well to that um but this is a it's a psychological issue right so i don't you're not going to be able to appeal to argumentation to convince them you're gonna have to like this is a psychological issue you've got to work work through um, and I mean, it depends on why they're feeling that way. I don't completely disagree, Carter, but there, there's also, I just want to 
clarify, there's lots of different types of, I'm not talking about someone who's like a full blown SJW. I just mean somebody who's kind of maybe more of like what we call NPC, just kind of plugged into the mainstream narrative, but hasn't really ever investigated oh, oh, any oh. of this stuff. And for that kind of person, it's not necessarily a psychological, I mean, it could be. I, I think it's, no, it's that, still a psychological issue. It's fear of being, because what will happen, think about the consequences then, have some empathy. Think about how right. afraid you are to lose all of your friends and your job. Like, think about the consequences to them, the negative consequences to them for coming over to your side. That's what's preventing them from even looking at it objectively. And that's what needs to be dealt with. There's fear there. There's fear. They are afraid. And that fear is not unwarranted. It just I, needs I, I agree, but that and that's why treating them with love and acceptance and letting them express right. their opinions is the best way of dealing. I think of, of not even like you're dealing with something, but the best way of interacting with someone you love. It's like let them be themselves. Don't focus on <clears throat> trying to change them. Um, just love them and and disagree firmly. Hold your position, you know, and try and explain yourself in a way they understand. But make sure they feel comfortable talking to you and not judged by you. Yeah, I'm not, I, I, I'm not yeah. in disagreeing with anything you just said about that. My only point is if uh, to try and give a little bit of direction to someone who's, who's doing this, because that's kind of a, like, okay, that could go right. on forever. Like, the, your goal in, this, in your relationship should be to help uncover what's going on, what their fears are there. By the way, which is true regardless of the opinions. Like, that's a good, healthy, introspective like that, that helps someone through introspection and help them grow psychologically is good generally for a partner to do. So it's not, this isn't unique to this situation, but it is something that needs to be, you do need to have empathy for like, there's a reason why the pressure from a spouse is not sufficient for them to look at this. There's a reason for that. And it's, and it's, it's anxiety. There's like, there's some fear, there's some anxiety, there's something there. And your goal is to just keep your radar on, let them be themselves, keep that radar on and start seeing if you can figure out what the underlying fears are fears. and what, what the issues are. Because they'll, they'll, you'll figure it out eventually, right? And there's probably not that hard to understand. And everyone's so, got different, you know, different issues. All right. Uh, just to clarify terms, so anybody new to the show, somebody in chat asked, what's the difference between SJW and MPC? Well, when I use SJW, I mean someone who believes in the ideology I used to believe in. So social justice, this whole belief system that we see all around us at the moment, um, the idea that people are, are, that the world is best looked at as a place where you put people in racial and sex groups and then you judge everybody according to what groups they're in and you treat them differently according to what groups they're in. That's what I mean by social justice warrior. Um, NPC is kind of a joke. It, it, it came from non-player character in video games, it's the it's the characters that you're not playing. It's the ones that your character, the ones that your character interacts with, and they're programmed to behave in certain ways. So NPC is sort of just a way of referring to. When I use it, I mean, I don't mean it in a derogatory. I just mean people who are kind of just going, haven't really investigated investigated anything deeply, just kind of believe what the media programs. They are programmed by the media to spit out narratives. Like today. Carlin and I were arguing with a guy who clearly has never read any of the studies or statistics on police use of lethal force, but he's speaking a bunch of opinions. Right. He's I, by the way, I by mean the NPC derogatorily, but I agree with your definition. Oh. <laughs> uh, your definition is correct, and I think that's insulting. 
Uh, Carter's intent is to insult. <laughs> my intent is not to insult. It's not my intent. I just think it's like inherently by definition, that's a pretty insulting thing to think about someone. Um, so, uh, yeah. But I, I think the different, the one thing that you'll find difficult, though, especially in the past year or so, is NPCs and SJWs are becoming increasingly difficult to tell apart because NPCs are now running the SJW program. Programming. So yes. Th yes, there's, that's right. That's the problem. The SJW program has like metastasized. It's out everywhere, and like it's been programmatized, so people can just ba 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 and sound like an SJW. Um, yes. Whereas two years ago, only SJWs sounded exactly like SJWs. Now NPCs sound very much like SJWs. Um, they have the SJW code. That's an excellent point. Right. If we change the cultural code, they would NPCs would be spitting. NPCs are going to spit out whatever the mainstream dominant narrative is, whatever right. their program is, without actually looking in depth into it. They're going to spit it out. Yes. So if Christ conservative Christianity became super popular tomorrow, NPCs would all be parroting. Yeah, exactly. They'd be quoting the Book of Matthew, and yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> They'd be out there doing the things. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> so. And by the way, there's always going to be a lot of NPCs in culture, which is why uh, NPCs don't actually drive culture anywhere. Uh, other smaller groups drive culture. So um, that's why it's important. They, actually, a good, a good analogy, the, the sheep in the animal farm right. are like NPCs. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Let, let's get to a couple of super chats quickly. Um, Maggie Ellis again gives a super chat. Thank you, Maggie. She says... It's heartbreaking and so frustrating. Yeah, and yeah, we just talked about it. I imagine it is. Um, love him. I mean, he, you know, he's he's probably not a bad person. He just, you know, he's probably got. It's probably not easy for him either because he probably thinks he's being told by everyone around you that you're literally a Nazi. So, it's got to be hard to be married to a literal Nazi if that's what you believe, right? Yeah. Um. All right, Tatiana again, Carrie's friend, Tatiana, who she's saying hi to right now. Hi, uh, she sent me another book. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Tatiana. Wouldn't 230 make it so they can be sued for libel too? Yeah, so it depends on how 230 works, So uh, how 230 is implemented. But yeah, so Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act, um, the, the idea, just for those of you who haven't heard it before, really, really quickly, the idea is that uh, you can choose as a business to be a... Um, a platform, right, or a publisher. So if you're like a publisher, like let's say your Time Magazine or New York Times, New York Times is liable for stuff that's printed. So if they say, you know, Carrie Smith eats babies and killed 14 people yesterday, and blah, 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 like that's just all a lie. It's not true. It's 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 uh, it makes her look bad. It's defamatory. She can sue them and be like, what evidence do you have? And you know. If, if they're like, well, you know, Chris Cuomo told me, that's not evidence, right? So they could get sued for, for defamation. Um, so they, they have those standards to live by. But when the internet started to come along, people were starting to have platforms where they would just kind of let anyone publish. Think of the old discussion forums or billboard services. Anyone could publish stuff. And the person running the platform was like, well, I don't want to be liable for... I, I can't be liable for what people say on this. I don't want to police that. And that's recognized in the law that, like, yes, you don't have to be liable. However, then there was an extra step, and they said, well, but I need to be able to do some, like, simple mod like some simple moderation. Like, if people are threatening each other physically or posting child porn or porn generally, like, I need to be able to have rules that are kind of objective that I enforce on my forums. 
And so Section 230 says, yes, you are allowed to have these objective rules that you enforce on your forum. So you can do a little bit of moderation uh, and still get classified as uh, a platform rather than a publisher. So you're still not liable for the content, but you got your moderation has to be within these particular rules. The argument people are making for uh, platforms like YouTube and, and and Facebook and Twitter is that they're abusing their Section 230 privileges because their rules aren't actually objective, and they're using it. They're using those quote moderation rules. They're 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 having rules that are based on ill-defined and intentionally vague terminology, and they're applying them uh, selectively only to the people that they want to boot off of their platform, and therefore they're controlling, they're actually acting like publishers, not as platforms, and they should be liable. So that's the whole story about what section, you know, from a high level, what section 230 is and why people are arguing about it. And Susan does not want this argument for section 230 to continue because uh, there's going to be a come to Jesus moment for YouTube. If, if it continues the way people want, there'll be a, a moment where someone has to say to YouTube, like either cut this crap out and stop censoring these people, or you're going to start being liable for your everything that everyone says on your platform. Um, and at that point, you're, you're down to make up videos, right? So, um, all right. That was a long story. Yeah. Keith the Hack Guy. Super chat from Keith the Hack Guy. Thank you, Keith. Keith says, Black Lives Matter has zero to do with saying Black Lives Matter. Yeah, he capitalized the first one and, and lowercase the second one. BLM is a socialist uh, pack with a name the opposite of what it means. It's a politician's trick. Capitals change the meaning entirely. I love that idea. Capitalizing things changes their meaning. It kind of does with the left, right? They take something and they capitalize it, and that's when you know it's kind of the opposite of what they mean. Um, I think Keith is right about that. What else do we got here? There's more super chats. I'm getting to you guys. Sorry for the delay. You do the super chats because I have something I want to talk to after this. Yeah, talk please. Talk about after this. Yeah. Uh, oh, you want me to do them and then you'll talk? No. Yeah. Okay, okay. Hold on. Next one. Ken. <clears throat> Thank you, Ken. Ken says, uh, man, I really took for granted basic, in <laughs> basic intelligence in people. How is dystopian, how, this is how dystopian societies take form. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't think it's intelligence, but um, it's, uh, it certainly looks like idiocy. Um, Blackbeard says, thank you, Blackbeard. Again, Blackbeard says, you can't say it's not a religion anymore. Nope, uh, you can't. It looks an awful lot like religion. I think he was referring to the picture of the people in chains. Uh, Thank you, Lori. Lori uh, Flaglor uh, gave us a super chat with no no comment. Um, we're almost there, Carrie. I can't scroll any faster, Carrie. <laughs> it's as fast as I can scroll. I got to scroll and look for highlighted things. They don't get pulled out automatically on the software. So uh, I got to scroll through the chats. If I scroll too fast, I miss one. Here we go. <laughs> Kent. Thank you, Kent. Kent. Uh, Anufra Chuck says, uh, appeal to reason is not a logical fallacy. No, it's not a logical fallacy. Obviously, appeal to reason is the purpose of <laughs> why we have logic, yeah, but I, but it is, is a bad idea to convince people who are driven by emotions. All, all I'm saying is, yeah, talk to people emotionally. You should definitely back it. You should have the reason and the evidence to support what you're saying. But a lot of people, especially people who are uh, who tend to fall for some of the social justice stuff, 
are emotionally minded before they're rationally minded. So if you have any hope of connecting with them, I would say talk with them, speak, speak to their elephant first. Yeah, and by, and by the way, I would agree with what I think Kent probably is trying to also say here, which is like, you should be able to speak to people using reason. If our culture yeah. was healthy, people would then react much more healthily <laughs> to reason. But yeah. we have a sick, broken culture full of, uh, you know, grown adolescents screaming and embracing their misery uh, and and putting their psychological damage on display for everyone. And those people need to be approached a little bit more like elephants and a little less like riders. Um, Ken Lipson says, thank you, Ken. Ken says, Carrie is an angel. Well, but she doesn't <laughs> identify as an angel, so you'll just have to take that metaphorically, Carrie. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Ken. Sugar Waters. <laughs> thank you, Sugar Waters. Sugar Waters says, I don't know where to start breaking down collectivist ideas without using facts because my mind works by using truth and facts. Okay. okay. Thank okay, you. I, I, I'm glad your mind works that way, by the way, <laughs> Sugar Waters. Okay, so, don't, so don't abandon using facts. You just have to like pepper your emotional argument with the facts. Like if you just come in and are, well, statistically, blah, 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 which sometimes I do, they're much less likely to listen. But if you tell a story with those facts, you know what? If you, if you guys haven't read it, you should get a copy of Love Your Enemies by Arthur Brooks. And I think he, he has a couple, I think there's a couple things wrong with the book that he, I think he underestimates the authoritarian left, the SJW left. I don't think he realizes that they hold the same values that we do. They don't, they don't value individualism and free speech and liberty. I think he gets that wrong. But what he talks about, he talks about speaking to the elephant, like having your emotional argument. Here, here's a great example. Let's take the minimum wage. I often hear people on the left, and when I was on the left, I would do the same thing, and I heard people make this argument all the time. Instead of giving you stats to support their opinion on raising the minimum wage, they'll say, do you think a, a single father of four should have to, I think Carl and I were talking about this, a single father of four should have to have to work two jobs to, to provide for his family, and they paint a picture in your head of this hypothetical single father of four. They make the emotional case, they make you feel for that father while they're, get, and they don't actually pepper it with facts. Here's why what you're gonna do is better. You're gonna tell a story too, but you're gonna have facts peppered in. So it's like a, you're steel manning your argument, right? You, you take this to other people, have them see where the weaknesses are. Take it to people who agree with you and see where the weaknesses are. But like, present your case about, well, do you think the single father of four should be laid off? Do you want him to be laid off because his business can't afford to keep him on the payroll anymore because the minimum wage has been raised? Do you think the single father of four's hours should be cut? Do you think the single father of four should have should have to close his small business because he can't afford to pay the new minimum? Like you have to present the emotional reason for why the moral argument for why you believe what you because they're only based in their in in the version of morality. So there's so if you read the Jonathan Haidt book, The Righteous Mind, okay, he talks about all these different. It's almost like thinking of it as channels of morality. There's one channel that people on the left and people on the right share, and that's the care harm principle. So if it's harming someone, they respond to that. And if it's harming someone, people on the right respond to that too. You have to show them how it's harming that single father of four and have the stats to back it up. In your argument, you can say, statistically, here's what happens when they raise the minimum wage. Here's what happened in Seattle. Here's how many small businesses went under. Here's how many people got laid off. But you tell the story about the father first because they just see cold, hard facts. But you want to paint a picture in their head. 
if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what I was going to say Sorry. was similar, <laughs> uh, but uh, I was going to point out that if you're arguing against collectivism as an individualist, you have an advantage. You're right. That's your advantage. So the fact that you're actually right and what you're saying corresponds to reality means that it's very easy to use. Uh, I would I would make it personal and I would use stories. And you can one of the personal ways to do it is the against me argument. So you can with the other person put them in a particular scenario or put yourself in a particular scenario depending on where you think they'll have more empathy. Or you can construct a hypothetical scenario of someone. And because individualism is correct, any scenario <laughs> when when you when you pick it, uh, you can show how appealing to collectivism is damaging to that particular individual um, and and how it's unfair and how it causes them pain and ultimately maybe even death, depending on the scenario. That doesn't mean, like Carrie said, it doesn't mean you don't have facts. And actually, I don't think statistics are very useful. Um, st like stats are fine. If they're arguing stats, they kind of don't even want to have the real discussion. Uh, you don't need stats to understand why, for example, uh, racism is wrong. That's not a statistical argument, right? You actually don't need stats to understand why minimum wage is wrong. Um, two, <laughs> two people mutually agreeing have the right to decide who gets paid what for what. Now, you might want to buttress that with some facts if they, in some stats if they get upset about it, but you can make that argument and you can do it from a story and a very personal perspective about, about how that works. Okay, um, Tina, Tina agrees with Ken and she would like to super chat it. Carrie is an angel. Carrie, you're being overruled. I think you need to change your identity. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. That's very kind. It's uh, not true, see. but it's very kind. Uh, All right. Okay, let's, let's power through. I'm, I'm powering. <laughs> Have some patience. What the hell's happened to you lately? You take too much caffeine? Have patience. I'm scrolling as fast as I can, girl. Angel. Okay. <laughs> I'll start calling you Angel. Uh, thank you, Ian. Ian says, sent Carrie a link on Twitter by DM about the school where I work. Unconscious buying tr bias training for 11-year-olds. Don't uh, know if you can view it in the U.S. Um, uh, Ian. No, that, Carrie can look. Yes. We've I seen think, a lot of stuff like this that we've shared with for and young, young sure kids. I'm pretty sure I saw yours and we talked about it. But if I didn't, I'm sorry. But yeah. Ugh. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of this. Um, it's all over the place. Uh, let's see. And by the way, there is an unsafe space, uh, homeschooling slash, uh, whatever. I might even change it to parenting generally, uh, telegram chat for people who want to like share horror stories about their schools and, uh, other options and that kind of stuff. So you can do that on telegram. Um, Nicole Gibson sends five bucks. Thank you, Nicole. Um, with, she sends it with no comment. Uh, Kent sends another super chat. Kent says, logic is an accurate bullet. Emotion is windage. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> I guess that's a good way to look at it. You need to get your, you need to dial the dope correctly on your scope. Or you're never going to hit your target. Nicole Gibson. Uh, Nicole sends another super chat, but this time she says, having your belief system challenged makes people fearful. It is a foundation people stand upon. It's how we operate. This is a belief system. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. which is why we were talking earlier about um, if you want to be better as an individual, um, 
to not marry the conclusions of your belief system, but the methodology of your belief system so that um, you hold yourself accountable to that. It allows you to evolve without freaking out if your conclusion's wrong about something, because you, likely uh, you'll be wrong about stuff sometimes. Um, okay, I think, Carrie, this might be the last one for you. Uh, thank you, uh, <laughs> Gesch the, the Geschultz. For balance sake, I think Carrie is awful. All right, well. Thank you, Geschultz. Thank you for balancing out the universe. <laughs> <laughs> That makes me think of my friend Greg, who every time I post a picture of my dog, he goes, gross. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Thank you for the super chats. All right, okay. Carrie, you've been, you've got pent up something going on, so please release yes. it. Well, I promised the knitters we would touch on this. I'm sorry. We should really do a standalone video on it. We're just both a little burnt out today. But, um, so I'm going to just cover it here. Ravelry, the knitters know about what's been happening to them. If you don't know and you're new to the channel, I suggest you go back and watch a video we did called uh, the SJW Knitting Circle of Hell. That was the first time we talked about the SJW Knitting Wars. Um, and then we did an interview with Maria Tuscan. We've done an interview with Marie Buskey. We've covered it a couple of other times. Um, but essentially, Ravelry was a huge knitting site where they allowed people, knitters, to interact and, and sell designs and promote their own businesses and interact with one another and they were cheered and celebrated in the mainstream media a couple years ago for banning all Trump supporters from their platform. They were celebrated on, I think it was Stephen Colbert show. Like people were like, yay, when he talked about it, they said that all Trump supporters were white supremacists and that any support of Trump is white, it's white supremacy. And they kicked all the Trump people off. And, um, and so now, a couple years later, they are embroiled in, in the middle of what I call, it's kind of like SJW cannibalism. See, here's what happens is they do a round of purging and they purge the most obvious wrong thinkers. This always happens in every community. This happened in the feminist SJW circles I was in like 10 years ago in the feminist blogging world. They push out the obvious wrong thinkers and they push out the on the fence wrong thinkers and, and they... The idea of what's pure keeps getting smaller and smaller. That's why they call it a purity spiral. And then there's like no one left for them to direct their hate towards and they just start directing it at each other and they start eating each other. So they're currently eating each other because they came out with a new um, platform design and I sent you a link. A bunch of the knitters um, who claimed, now remember in their SJW worldview, you have the, they say the best way of looking at the world is as a competition for power between identity groups. It's like Marxism, but based around identity and power. And so there's an ever growing number of these identity groups because it benefits you to be in the one of the marginalized classes, right? So there's everyone, every one of these groups is divided into marginalized and privileged or oppressed and oppressor. So one of these categories now is people who are disabled. If you're disabled, you're marginalized and oppressed, woohoo, you get to have a voice. You get to be put on a pedestal in the ideology, right? So all these knitters are now saying the new design caused them to have seizures, <laughs> like eight, eight seizures, and that Ravelry didn't respond fast enough, and they don't care about the disabled community on Ravelry. If any, if I'm getting any of the broad strokes wrong, knitters in the chat, let me know. But now there, now there's just complete infighting, and people are big knitters, SJW knitters are now leaving. Ravelry, and I predict what's going to happen is it's going to go under eventually. I mean, because 
when you put ideology above your original purpose, your original purpose was about yarn and knitting and sharing the joy of knitting. And now what's it about? Social justice ideology. Social justice ideology is a toxic ideology. And I think eventually you'll see that it causes the organization it consumes to go down the toilet. All these churches that are being inf infected with social justice ideology, ideology, people are going to quit going because it's going to go down the toilet. I'm not going back to my church that I was going to in Austin. That's not why I was going. I left that cult for a reason. I'm not going to church to be indoctrinated into social justice cult. You know, um, I can get that in. I can get that from the world at large. Now's actually a great time to start uh, competing businesses and organizations. If you just see something that's being, I mean, just like just like Gab targeted Twitter. I think they were too early, and they've obviously uh, had some roadblocks. But it's a great time to start a church that's not going to be woke, or start a platform that's going to compete against some of these other platforms. Yeah. Um, because, like you said, People I mean, this is you know. Hungry. This is what uh, Vox Day coined the term uh, convergence. This is what convergence is. Uh, convergence is uh, when social justice warriors take over an organization um, and they usurp it for its primary purpose. Um, they usurp its primary purpose. Um, yeah, I didn't know that about. I didn't know that about Ravelry. It makes sense, so, right? It's the same thing that Yuri would talk about when when Yuri Besmanov was talking about how like the the. The agitators that are driving the Marxist revolution will be shot, <laughs> right? And like, yeah. because they're because they're agitators, and when the Marxists take over, they don't like agitators, and so you'll get shot. It's 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 a it's kind of a similar. They always 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 eat their own. Yep. Because they they're got always got to be eating somebody, and if they run everybody else out, it's like then they just easily turn on each. Somebody says this. You, she's describing what happened to Gamergate. Yeah, it's. It's happened over and over in any community, organization, company, church, any place that gets infected by and converged upon with this belief system. It, the original purpose of the group or community or church or, or organization goes second, becomes secondary to, becomes secondary to this belief system, and then this belief system is so toxic because like. It becomes well, a it's about, firing squad. You know, we, we've talked about this, right? The belief system ultimately is not about building anything in particular. It's about mm -hmm. tearing down. That's that. It's a nihilistic kind of, there's a nihilistic uh, streak in this belief system. So mm -hmm. it's not about, they're not all arguing. Like you don't see them marching for like, this is the specific new government system that we want or the specific thing. They're not even saying these are the kinds of new police that we want. They're like, tear it down, tear it down, tear it down. They're not saying these are the statues. They're not saying this is the government. This is not saying, they're saying we need to tear it down. And the belief system is, is the only thing that unites. You know, if you're confused about the belief system, the only thing that unites it is tearing down Western culture. That's the uni unifying yeah. belief. And so, um, so of course, if they you've got an organization populated by only those people and, and their skill set and their drive is to tear down uh, when they run out of fodder, they turn to each other, right? It's like zombies just start trying to eat each other. Um, there's they no said, you know, humans left. They just said chess is racist now. Like yeah, nobody I saw gets that. to Isn't enjoy anything. You can't enjoy anything. It's all ist, 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 ist. It's all some kind of ist. There's miserable, miserable people at heart, and they want to try and remake the world to be as miserable as the inside of their hearts are. Like they want what this dirty darkness in here to be reflected out in the world. They hate joy. Oh my gosh, people want to talk about like how to push back. 
in these times, which can be very discouraging times and very frustrating times, seeing this belief system everywhere, take delight in something, take joy in something, go enjoy yourself. If you're, if you're a person who posts on social media, don't make it all about like, don't, don't let this consume everything you think about and everything you do during the day. Like, you know, give people windows of joy, but they hate that. They hate that more than when you criticize social justice. It's like, you're out enjoying yourself. How dare you? <laughs> well, look at a lot of the posts that they've criticized, right? This whole knitting thing, not to go back yeah. to knitting, but it started with someone expressing joy about visiting India, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it started with. Hey, I'm very excited. Like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, yeah. white, girl's, white girl's happy. Uh, <laughs> Red alert. Can't be excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, we got another super chat from uh, Yuri Konovalyuk. So I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, he says, can we have involuntary bald men as a recognized marginalized group? At least some oppression points. I, yeah. You know, it's the men part that really screws that up. I'm not sure you can. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe uh, if there were only non-bald men and bald men, you'd probably win. But I don't, it's, I don't think. I think we're all just going to get trotted off to the gulag together. I don't think I it's going to work. I think we need to start talking about height privilege and uh, <laughs> height, fr height fragility. <laughs> height fragility. As a short person, uh, I feel very oppressed when I go out into the world. Okay, okay. I'm kidding. Um, I want to talk about the... Uh, I, put the I used a particular cover photo for today's episode, so I feel like I'm obligated to talk about the incident. Oh, yeah. Um, so, did you guys see this incident in St. Louis? I, I don't, Carrie. I don't think I should play. I don't think I need to play video for it. It's not that exciting, right? Okay. You can explain what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So there was a couple. Actually, let's back up. Um, the mayor of St. Louis was reading, uh, basically defund the police demands, and read off names and email addresses of uh, some of the people mm -hmm. that submitted the defund the police demands. And this got people in St. Louis very upset and saying, hey, you doxed us, blah, 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 blah. So they did the only thing they know how to do, which is march. Uh, so they all got together in a group to march. Um, and instead of going to the Capitol building, they decided to, um, to march to the mayor's house. Now, I think protesting at the mayor's house makes it uniquely personal. That's a that's a little bit of a scarier thing. Like a mob outside your house and a mob outside your place of work is a little bit different. Um, yep. But not only that, uh, they she lived in a gated community and the street had private access and they broke through the iron gate and went into the gated community walking down a street that they did not have a right to be on. This is private property at this point to go to the mayor's house. Now, there was a very... Obviously, the mayor is rich. Uh, mayor's neighbors are rich. There's a very uh, large house that these people had to walk by. Um, and They actually opened the gate and walked onto their private property. It looks like a sidewalk, but I saw a second video that showed them opening the gate to these people's private property. No, that was the walk. gate to the gated community, and that to was the gated a sidewalk. Community? Okay. Yeah, that wasn't oh. the people's property. It was a oh, gate okay. to the gated community, um, and it was the sidewalk was illegal for them to walk on because it's private. It's owned it's by private. Okay, right. That's what I'm saying. They they walked on private property, 
But that homeowner, obviously part of the homeowners association that controls this, so he's one of the owners of the of that private property. Um, that homeowner did actually call the police, um, and uh, and according to the police, the home and I guess from the homeowner, it says that the the they observed multiple subjects who were armed. So then they armed themselves. I don't know if that part's true, but. The part that videos that's all over the place is the guy walks out of his house with uh, an AK-47 or not, sorry, uh, uh, AR-15, AR I think. It looked like an AR-15. Um, and his wife had, I don't know, looks like a little Walther, but a little little pistol. And um, and they proceeded to yell at the protesters, telling them to go away. They were on private property. Don't, you know, they have to leave. Get off our property, blah, blah, blah. They're yelling at the protesters. People took videos of this. Uh, there's now lots of outrage. How could this couple do this? People claiming that they violated laws by pointing weapons, blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't think they've actually violated any laws. But uh, because, because there were, the people were trespassers, technically. Right, I don't know the legal system in Seattle, but if there's any sort of castle doctrine, uh, I don't think they've violated laws. That said, I, I, and I don't, I know this is probably not popular among the conservatives. Don't do what they did. They are idiots. That was the dumbest thing. All I could think about was how dumb these people are. They uh, came out of their property. First of all, they're outside in bare feet with no protective gear, not behind cover, not behind concealment, in no kind of defensive position, with one AR-15 and a little pea shooter screaming at people. Um, I, horrifying muzzle control, by the way. The guy's, like, covering his wife half the time. She looks like she's covering him half the time. Um, pointing her fingers on the trigger. Um, I think that they did not accomplish their goal. I think all... Again, this is just a tactical thing. This is not a... But look... Uh, now everyone knows there's a house worth, worth protecting. It's got some guns in it, and it's def it's defended by a couple of pu like pudgy, poorly trained people who are hotheads. Like I don't, they're the, with no like discipline. I I don't think, I don't think it was I a like good it. idea. It was a bad idea. Yes, you have a right to defend your stuff. That was not a good way to do it. Uh. So I, I wouldn't be holding this couple up as like, woohoo, let's celebrate these couple, badass, defended their property, like I not like that. I like what they did though. What? And I actually think I like what they did, and I think I think here's <laughs> I think they here's did the story. Dumb, but okay. Okay, yeah, I agree. They he swept his wife and all that stuff, but um, I look at that picture and I'm like, oh, these are people who feel abandoned by the government. They pay taxes to protect them. Yeah, like I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with that. But so, I don't. I, I mean, they didn't do it well. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I still, I'm glad they did it. I would have done it. You know, Jack called my uh, attention to this. He was like, you know, Rosa Parks' grandfather used to sit out on the porch with a loaded shotgun whenever it was known that the KKK was going to be prowling throughout town. Mm -hmm. to protect her, like letting people see this house is protected with a gun. I don't see this as very different. I do. It's like, you do? Yeah, because it's a huge violent mob that they claim was armed. Their claim, they claim that the mob's armed. Uh, and, they're, and they're instigating 
they're not they're not just sitting there on their porch with a weapon. They're not behind cover or concealment using a loudspeaker and or or yelling go away from a, a tactically safe position. They are running around. They're tromping around on their bare feet, th- pointing their weapons at people and yelling at them at a at a group that they're vastly outnumbered by that they claim is armed. Um, like I I think they're I think what they were doing would is likely to provoke something. It wasn't clear that the people wanted to come onto their property in their house. I think calling the cops is fine. I think it was the right thing to do. Um, if they start attacking your house, like, yeah, you shoot. But I don't know that yelling at people on the sidewalk, like, yeah, I get that they're on private property and they shouldn't be, but you're making yourself the cop for that residential area and you're not, you're clearly not trained enough to to do it in a way that they risk their lives i think they risked both of their lives they could have easily died and it wouldn't have been worth it there's times when it's worth it to die that's not one of them i don't know i i i well we can disagree on this i liked it i do agree it was an emotional response somebody nicole in chat said it was an emotional response when a logical one was needed i agree that it was an emotional response yeah, but I don't. I if they were on my property, get the f off my property. Yes, you know? fine, get the f off your property. But they weren't. First of all, they weren't on their their actual property. They did not appear to be going to their property. And this woman was standing outside, barefoot, a few feet from an entire crowd. Like that's just dumb. I'm not saying they didn't yeah. have a right to do it. I'm not saying you shouldn't stand up to the mob. Just don't get yourself killed standing up to the mob. Like don't do dumb things. If you're gonna do something. Do it in a way that, like, maximizes your chances of survival and success. Don't be a moron. Don't run around in your bare feet waving your Walther around a crowd of 200 people screaming at them that, that oh. you think are armed. Come on. I, I, I just, I, I don't, and I know people are really, like, upset in chat. You're, Carter's way off. I, you guys are wrong. I'm sorry. You're wrong. <laughs> I don't, I, there's plenty of people that, there's plenty of people in our community that I will fight alongside of, but not if you fight like that. If you fight like that, I'm leaving. That is moronic. You're an idiot. That's not how you fight a battle. That is dumb. Don't be stupid. We don't need dumb people on our side. That's just dumb. That's not how you fight this battle. Yes, you have a right to do it. Yes, I'm glad they stood up for their home. Put some fucking shoes on. Put a vest on. Have some extra ammo. Get behind cover. Do something that indicates that you have any intention of surviving a firefight. Because right. what you did, if you like dangled chicken in front of tigers. What the hell are you doing? I get it. I get what you're saying. I you're still... dumb. You're going to die. We don't want you to they die. Did, if you're on die. our side, don't be yeah. dumb. I, I hear what you're saying. I still like what these people did. I don't know. I can't explain it. I still like it. I don't <laughs> like stupidity. It's dumb. It's dumb. I like. <laughs> guys. I don't think you're wrong. I agree with Tati. I don't think you're wrong. I just I think it's you know I can still I can still agree with you and also feel good that these people stood up. Not good that they had to. Again, when I look at it. It makes my heart break because clearly they know that no one's going to protect their home from possible rioting or graffiti or looting or, you know, they haven't protected any places yet. I get that. 
And I think it's evidence of how people are starting to feel. So I like, I think there's something that I think resonates with a lot of people when they see this, because they view themselves as like, yeah, I don't feel protected either. I'm going to, you're, you're saying I would go out on my front lawn and wave my gun around. Like, I feel like I need to protect myself. Like, yeah, that is a problem that you feel like you need to protect yourself. And I, and I'm glad that it's, people are noticing that that's the case, but I just implore you. Let's assume these people are totally freedom lovers in like, let's assume that these two people, I don't know anything about them, right? Let's assume Somebody that they said, are- Somebody said, don't yell into Mike. I don't realize, I'm sorry if I was yelling into Mike. No, I probably was, I probably was. Uh, it probably gets too loud too, sorry. Um, I get excited. Let's assume these people are liberty-minded, like total individualists, totally great. I want them to survive. I would like to see them survive. So, you know, I, I don't, I, that's all I, that's all I want to say about this is like, please don't, yes, there are ways to fight back. Use your noggin, fight back in a way that's less likely to produce your I death. I think we're all saying something very close to the same thing. We just, okay. yeah. yeah. Everyone's right. saying something close to the same thing. It was good oh. to see people stand up and they, their execution sucked. And, uh, and that matters. That matters. <laughs> here's why. Here's why. Because I'm worried that people are gonna. Mm -hmm. If you haven't thought through this stuff first, you're going to behave emotionally. And I think that's what that couple was doing. They were behaving in emotional. This was an emotional reaction because they hadn't thought through what would happen if they actually had to defend their house. So they had no freaking plan. And this is how they reacted emotionally. And it was a failure. It would have failed had their had it broken into a firefight. They'd be dead, right? So it was a failure to plan. It was just an emotional reaction, which I relate to, and we all are in agreement about their emotional response. But plan for that first, so you know what you're doing, so you're not outside in your shorts and bare feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, super chat from Libertas twenty six. Thank you, Libertas twenty six. Uh. Let's see. There's there's more super chats. I'm scrolling as fast as I can, Carrie. And now I'll whisper into the mic to make up for yelling in the mic previously. Earlier. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of them. I, I'm gonna scroll up and start reading them. I'll read them. You slap you slap them up there. Uh, um, okay. Libertas twenty six. Thank you. Got Gave that one. Here we go. Nicole chat. Gibson. Nicole Gibson. Uh, hold on. You read that one. She says, I completely agree with Carter about the couple. Oh, there it is. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. Um, um, Ninja Kitty says, Carter, I initially disagree, but won me over. Thank you for the super chat, Ninja. Thank you, Ninja. Um, Sugar Water I won the says, moderator over. That's stand, what matters. <laughs> Sugar Water says, stand up for yourself, but be smart at the same time. Yes, yes thank I, you, Sugar Waters. Thank you. All saying. Little Ragamuffin, $5, says, this smells like a plant. They looked oh. foolish on purpose to make the rest of us look foolish. I don't think it's a plant. I think I think sometimes we hmm. knee-jerk go to things like that, but I don't think so. I like the I way think, Little Ragamuffin thinks, though, because I do, I, my I like mind didn't go thinking. there. Yeah. <laughs> my mind didn't go there, Little Ragamuffin, so. Eche uh. Homer said, no, oh, crap, I always get this wrong. Anyway, I know you... I, I know we always get it wrong. Um, I don't know how to says pronounce Carter it. So. Is, says Carter is screaming at a screen. Now, that's dumb. Thank you for the chat. Oh, come on. That's, <laughs> Marie, that's emotion. Marie Busky 
says intention is solid. Execution was flawed. Yes, Marie, I yes. agree. I think, see, I think most of us are saying the same thing. Um, Eagle Flight Farm for Carter making me turn down the TV. <laughs> you don't want to encourage uh, yeah. me to yell more. Sometimes people want me to yell. I can't tell. Yeah. I should at least move I, the mic away if I'm going to yell. I think it's Eche Homer. Eche? Um, I always say yeah. Easy Homer, but I don't know. Yeah. It's probably Eche. Eche sounds Eche. more sophisticated. Uh, okay. There we go. Super Still, chats. I want to see, yeah. you know, a Tiger King-esque series based on this couple. <laughs> <laughs> I just like all the memes that came out of it, too. Like all Oh, the there's memes. a lot of great memes out of this. Yeah. There's a lot of memes with the guy with his AR... Yeah, uh, and you know, there's the picture of the um, Sikh guys who were defending their business um, with guns. Like, there's a few of these now, and they're kind of badass, but they're kind of sad also looking at them because you just, it's, you know, people shouldn't have to be doing this. You should be able to call. I don't know if you guys heard, um, Tucker Carlson the other night played a 911 call from Virginia where this woman was calling from her car with her toddler in the car, and she was begging them that. for help because she, her car was surrounded by and was being beat on by protesters. She was driving through the neighborhood. And the, the phone call is hard to listen to because she's it's like a 911 call. She's pleading for help. And the 911 operator is saying to her, I'm sorry, ma'am, we've been told, there's nothing we can do. We've been told to stand down. And she's like, they're on my car. I have a kid in the car. And you can hear her yelling at them like, get off my car, get off my car. And the 911 operator says, well, you might want to call City Hall and let them know your frustrations, ma'am. You got to be kidding me. I'm not kidding you. And and hearing that was just heartbreaking. It's like she's calling for help in the middle of a mob with her kid and they're like, "Sorry, nothing the police can do. Call City Hall in your spare time and let them know your frustrations." Like, yeah, it was pretty pretty sad. Well, I but. mean, so here's the thing. Someone someone was asking like, "Did the police show up after this couple called the police?" Clearly, the police didn't show up in time. <laughs> like, I don't know if they showed up, but they clearly didn't show up in a timely manner. This is the, 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 I don't know. I feel like we're so soft as a society that we forget that like police, that we don't have magical transporter systems and, and like perfect police that are just going to, I need help. Yeah. And then like they beam into your room with a gun and like, I'm here to help you. That's not how the world works. Uh, they take time. And I am concerned about this defunding the police stuff. Um, we are, the response times are already pretty abysmal in a lot of places. I mean, in the Bay Area, there's a lot of places in the Bay Area that they just, they'll respond like the next day. I mean, unless yeah. there's like actually a firefight happening or something, like they will, like, they don't care. I mean, it, it, you know, best case, I sometimes I've just uh, listened to police scanners because of this whole all the stuff going on i'm just trying to pay attention um do it sometime you can go yeah, to broadcastify.com and you can get basically any police scanner from any city i mean they're not they're secure ones that you don't have access to but you can hear some of them and you'll hear some of the calls that are like they'll they'll say sometimes the dish dispatcher will say the call came in at blah 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 and it will be like eight hours ago <laughs> like so, you know two hours ago like it's it's um it's not good. It's not good. Um, and, and I think uh, the other thing I was just about defunding the police for a moment, they're arguing to defund the police not because they want to defund. They don't actually want to defund the police. 
they want to control the people with guns in your city. And so yes. they can't actually, um, to do that properly, properly in quotes, to do that the way they want, they would have to actually, uh, all they would have to own the police department themselves to be able to reorganize it. Um, and they can't get that. They, they, they can't, they can't do that. So what they're hoping to accomplish, their goal here is they, they convince the city councils and the cities to defund the police and have a, quote, alternative solution. Yeah. The police get defunded, and then guess who comes in to recommend alternative solutions? Yeah. They do. And so it's all of their people putting in all of their people into a replacement organization where they have complete control and power over the weapons in the city. Uh, it's, this is a... Um, this is a strategic move in order to control weaponry to use against the population. That's what in this order is. to decide who's holding the gun in the room. Yep. They want to be holding the gun in the room to borrow a phrase of Carter's. Yeah. 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 Um, they want to hold the gun in the room. So. Uh, all right. I don't know. I'm. I. I've. I guess I've yelled myself out. People. Don't yeah. Like I'm. I'm winding down. Uh, oh. Um, we should wrap it's, up. It's a tiring. It's a tire. It's been a tiring couple days. If you haven't watched our ordinary men book club discussion yesterday, I thought it was awesome. It was great. The the people. I mean, great people yeah. in the discussion. Lots of stuff. Um, Thank you guys for coming for showing up yeah. and having such great. And we had new people, which was cool. And yeah, yeah just a lot of great commentary on the book. Yep. Uh, All right. I have, oh, I have sorry, to go, go because my neighbor said there's. Um, a really large snake that just left her backyard and went into mine. <laughs> so I have to go find it. Oh, uh, okay. okay. Enjoy locating your snake. Uh, I'm going to read a super chat from Keith. Bye, Carrie. I'm going to read a super chat from Keith and then end the show. Uh, Keith says, they were not trained enough to go out armed. I'm okay with barefoot. The guy that stopped Texas Chooch Shooter did it barefoot. Maybe my Florida bias. Well, but he was in church responding immediately to a threat. He wasn't like in his house where presumably he has boots, a vest, tack gear, like a bunch of other stuff that he could have, you know, donned before walking outside. He was like sitting in a pew. I don't know why he was barefoot, uh, but that's, a, that's an issue for the church, I guess. Um, <laughs> all right. Bye, Carrie. Enjoy your snake hunt. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Oh, Thanks, are we not everyone. wrapping up? Yeah, we're wrapping up. We're wrapping up. Okay. Right now. Bye. <laughs>
please avoid any contact with these individuals. I have calculated a 97.8% chance that these are all rushing bots. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Please connect to CNN to receive the latest version of your belief system software. All hail Chris Cuomo. That last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.